0: turn with me tonight to the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verse 18, and then we will go to the book of Micah, chapter 7 and verse 8. Genesis 49 and verse 18 says, I have waited For thy salvation, O Lord. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Micah 7 and verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit, In darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. If you've been looking for a new scripture to memorize, Micah 7 and verse 8 is a good one. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me going to preach tonight for a few moments with the help of the lord the faith to move forward the faith to move forward let's put our bibles down let's go before the lord in prayer tonight god i love you i thank you for your word i thank you for your faithfulness god you are mighty you are able Lord you are more than able you are well able and through you we are well able you have conquered and therefore we are more than conquerors you have overcome therefore we are overcomers and Lord I plead your blood over your people here tonight God I pray that your will would be accomplished in each and every heart in each and every mind in each and every life In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't you clap your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. As you begin to read the book of Micah and you begin to look at the context of this writing, you'll find that the past kings of the southern kingdom of Judah have gone what we call the way of all humanity. They've died. Now they have a king by the name of Jotham. And the peaceful prosperity that they had known while they had other kings ruling over them has now been Disappearing. In fact, you begin to read the book of Micah, the, the peace and the tranquility, the prosperity that the southern kingdom had been experiencing is completely gone. This new ruler of Jotham, this new king, is failing miserably. He is refusing to get rid of the idolatry out of the land. And because of the idolatry, the society begins to become corrupted. Idolatry had been practiced by a few, but as it's allowed to remain, it's no longer just affecting those same few. It's no longer uh, staying within its cute little boundaries but it is leaking out and poisoning the entirety of this southern kingdom to the point that Baal worship is now being intermingled with the worship of Jehovah. And by intermingled, I mean it's being done at the same time in the same temple, upon the same altars, by the same priests. They're trying to intermingle idolatry with the worship of the one true God. And let me preach to you tonight. That has never worked. It never will work in the future. It doesn't work right now. You cannot serve two masters. For you will love the one and hate the other, or hate the one and love the other. And so before long, the prophet of Micah, he is looking out at his society. He's looking out at his peers. He's looking out at the contemporaries of his age. And he is watching the Baal worship, the idolatry, false gods, and so on and so forth, overcome the worship of Jehovah. Baal was having revival. Prophet Mike is obviously disheartened. He's not worshiping Baal. He doesn't want to backslide. He's making up his mind. He's saving himself, like we preach Sunday morning. He's disheartened. He's discombobulated. If you're looking for a new word this week, that's a fun one too. Discombobulated by the conditions of his society he's looking around and he realizes, man, these folks are a wreck. They are tore up from the floor up. There is scarcely a righteous person to be found. It's more than overwhelming odds. It's bad. It is ugly. It is sinful. The condition of the people of God has been reflected upon the land, where the land was bringing forth prosperous crops, where the business and the enterprise were thriving. Now, when the people of God turned their back on God, then they are also experiencing great famine. They are experiencing great turmoil. Their land itself is betraying them. It's a bad situation, a bad Scenario, and it was in that situation that the man of God, the child of God, Micah has a decision to make. How am I going to respond to these circumstances? I have a choice. To make everybody else is falling out everybody else is serving bail they're trying to intermingle the religions they're doing this and they're doing that and, and and they're they're going here and they're going there I've got a decision to make I can either continue to stand I can continue to try to press forward or I can throw in the towel and I can give up I can wave the little white flag of surrender and say you know what I'm tired of the fight I'm tired of the struggle struggle. Struggle, or I can choose to stand upon the Word of God. How am I going to respond to these circumstances? It is in Micah chapter 7 and verse 6 that we get a a description from the prophet's mouth. He said, For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against the mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are not even just that from the outside, that they are men of his own house. It's bad. It's ugly. you got people turning against you that you never thought would have turned against you. Folks that you thought had your back are turning against you. But he said, I've got a decision to make. And in verse 7, he said, therefore. He, it's, it's almost like there is no other option. He's looking around at the circumstance. He's looking around at the turmoil. And he said, therefore, I will look therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. He said I'm not going to get bogged down with the mess. I'm not going to get bogged down with the turmoil. I'm not going to get bogged down with the problems of the age. I'm going to look under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help still comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I will wait for the God of my salvation and I know that My God will hear me because my God is in the hearing business. And so he goes on in verse 8. you got to remember verse 6. He said people in their own houses are enemies. And he looks around and he said, I'm not looking at all of this. I'm going to look to the Lord. And in verse 8, probably one of the most well-known passages in the entirety of the book of Micah, he said, rejoice not against me. Oh, mine enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. The prophet gives notice, and he starts to get a little praise back in his spirit. He starts getting that little salvific, salvific shuffle going on in his sandaled feet. He starts feeling a little boogie in the spirit. He said, Oh, rejoice not against me. Oh, mine enemy. I imagine that, Oh, oh Micah Vita had a... a, a and organ he just cut a rug he said rejoice not against me oh my enemy for when I fall I said for when I fall not if I fall but when I fall because I'm not perfect hey eh? I said I'm not perfect I'm gonna make mistakes I got some problems I got some issues but let it be known that failure is not final let it not be known to you although everybody else is going the way although everybody else is living in darkness I know the Lord is going to be a light unto me he said I'm finding the faith to move forward the words in verse 8 are when I fall. It does not say if. I fall. He's not living with a false sense of perfection. He said there are going to be days that I feel the enemy surround me. There are going to be days when the bulls of Bashan come past me about and gape upon me with their mouths. There are going to be days when I feel like giving up and I feel like giving in. Oh, but self, you hear me right now. It's in those times. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up. I'm going to grab myself by the chin and force myself, force my eyes. You will. Look up. Because you got to find the faith to move forward. When I fall, what do I do when I fall? I get back up. When I sit in darkness, not if, when, I sit in darkness. The Lord shall be a light unto me. Verse 9 says, I will bear the indignation of the Lord. That means I'm going to feel it. It doesn't mean I'm just going to sit here in my sin sucking on jolly ranchers, feeling good about my state and feeling complacent with my sin. No, there's going to be some moments that need to happen with, with godly sorrow and repentance because I've sinned against Him. But it doesn't end there until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me. not upon me, for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. He's saying in spite of Israel's proneness to fall into sin, in spite of her proneness to suffer the consequences and need deliverance, he said, I'm preaching to Israel, I'm preaching to myself, and I'm preaching to the church of 2021. There's still hope and opportunity to arise and be delivered. Why? Because resilient faith refuses to stay down. Resilient faith says just because I fall doesn't mean I'm going to make my bed here. But even if I make my bed in hell, God, you're there. I've got to have the faith to get up, the faith to move forward. When I sit in dark, we'll come back to that. Resilient faith refuses to stay down. If you were to look up the word resilience, you find the meaning that most likely would accompany this message tonight in our meaning, but it is an ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. It's the ability to bounce back. Webster also defines. Resilience as the capability of a strained body to recover its size and shape after deformation caused especially by compressive stress. That means if I grab my hand and my hand becomes misshapen because of the stress that it's under, that when I let go, God has given my body the ability to bounce back, to regain its shape. So enemy, you better throw your party hats away. You better grab the birthday cake candles and burn the noisemakers because I'm not staying down. I said, I'm not staying down. I refuse to stay down. I refuse to stay in a misshapen form. I refuse to roll over and play dead for you. I refuse to give in to what the world has got going on. Finding the faith to move forward. Because my faith refuses to stay down. We read in Genesis 49 verse 18 what seems like a random scripture. Especially in the context of the setting. You find that the patriarch Jacob is using the space of what we know as Genesis 49 to give his last words to each of his sons. And you go down and you read through there and he he talks to each of his sons as men. He talks about their future. He talks about their issues. He talks about their problems. It's there that he rebukes some. There that he encourages others. It's there that he looks at Judah and he says Judah is a... Lion's well. It's there that he's speaking prophetically of Judah. You've got an existence right now, but you haven't really grown into your identity yet. Because later on in Scripture, you would find a lion from the tribe of Judah coming forth as Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And what was Judah's this little... Lion's whelp is now grown into its full identity. It's there in Genesis 49 that Jacob commissions his sons. And it is seemingly random when he stops in verse 18 and says, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. If you begin to to dive deeper into that simple little Phrase, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. And you would begin to find that in the Hebrew language, that word, thy salvation, or those words, thy salvation, come from one Hebrew word known as Yeshua. I have waited for Yeshua, O Lord. Yeshua occurs 77 times Throughout the Old Testament, it's first reference in Genesis 49 that we read in our opening text as Jacob seemingly stops randomly and he said, Lord, I've waited for Yeshua, Jehovah. I've waited for thy salvation. Now it seems like pastors stopped randomly. It occurs 77 times throughout the Old Testament. It's found again in Exodus 15 and verse one, uh, and verse two rather. Then sang Moses and their children, and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. This is known as Moses' song after the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and they look back at the oppression of the world. They look back at the Egyptians and they hear the words of God ringing true. The Egyptians, the enemies that you have seen today, you will see no longer. And in verse 2, they're singing about it. And Moses said, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become Yeshua. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare Him and habitation. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. What you see is that you begin looking back from the beginning of time and from the beginning of God working in man's life and God is saying in every circumstance I have inserted myself with the ability to bring grace and mercy, to bring redemption. I am pointing forward. I am pointing toward a savior. I'm pointing toward in the midst of distress. I am pointing toward salvation in the midst of turmoil. I'm letting you know there's hope in the midst of problems. I'm letting you know there's a deliverer in the midst of Satan's attack. I'm letting you know I'm a way maker. You're an overcomer. He said from the beginning of time, I'm pointing the way. I'm trying to give you the faith to move forward. Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him in habitation. My father's God and I will exalt him. You find it again in Isaiah 12 and verses one through six. And it's in there a lot more than just this. This is known as Isaiah's song. And in that day, Thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, mine anger is turned away. and Thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. We're not preaching about oneness tonight, but we could. Well, really we are. That's not the topic tonight, but it is the topic. It's like, say you're preaching a oneness message without really saying you're preaching a oneness message. God is my salvation. God is Yeshua. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall they say praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord for he hath done Excellent things, this is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. In the midst of thee, he's saying, I want you to understand that I am in the business of saving people. That ought to make you excited. Great. Cool. think he's just the salvation of those who have been strung out on drugs and aren't anymore. We relegate salvation, apparently, to folks who had been passed out drunk and God delivered from pickled livers. Apparently we relegate salvation to Old Testament. He just doesn't do that for me. Trying to give you the faith to move forward. It's mentioned again in Psalm 118. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Collectively as a body. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever I called upon the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place verse 14 the Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation he is still saving he is still in the business of salvation The Old Testament is full of occasions where God is inserting hints. He's giving clues. He's pointing forward to the revelation of who He is. He's pointing toward the revealing of God in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. Micah 7 and 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Big deal, pastor. I feel like I'm being smothered by darkness. That's what the Prophet was saying, I'm surrounded by it. It's gross darkness. It's like living in a black hole. Anything spiritual that pops up is sucked out into oblivion. It's completely destroyed. I come to church and I try to feel the presence of God. I get in my prayer clothes and I try to feel the presence of God, but there's folks even in my house. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Micah is saying, there's folks around me. There's folks that are close to me that don't believe it, that don't want it. God, it's like I'm living in darkness. It's like I'm going to experience moments of smothering darkness. But he said, don't rejoice, my enemy, because when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Now you take that and you take what we just read about the Lord becoming my salvation. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That still ought to get you excited, even if you've been in church for a minute. Oneness preaching ought to still rattle your chain if you've been... in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not um, the prophet micah was saying i when i sit in darkness enemy don't you try don't you try to throw a party because i've got a light that i'm connected to that the darkness cannot comprehend there's a light burning in my atmosphere there's a sun that cannot be clouded out that cannot be shouted out that cannot be drawn the curtains on he said I've got a light that I have access to that the darkness cannot understand just don't understand why your world's falling apart and you can still have a smile on your face because I've got a light that darkness cannot comprehend Pastor, I just don't feel that way. That's okay. I pray that by the end of the service you're going to feel that way because you're going to have faith to move forward. I'm preaching to you tonight that God is still in the business of saving people. God is still in the business of rescuing people. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. I have waited for Yeshua. It's a big deal, Pastor. That doesn't really mean a lot to me. Then let me just... Yeshua. If you begin to study, you find that Yeshua is the same name as Joshua or a variant thereof. And you begin to, to look at the area between the testaments. And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. And then the New Testament is written mostly in Greek. How does it, how does it correlate, pastor? How does it cross over those 400 years of silence? Well, you begin to look at the name Yeshua and the shh. The shh cannot be translated into the Greek because the Greek does not have a shh sound. There is no letter or combination of letters that make the shh sound. There is, however, a letter called the sigma that makes the s sound. Which was as close as the Greek writers or the Greek translators could get. And so they took the name, and there's a lot more to it. You're just going to have to study it out on your own. We could spend a whole week talking about this. But they began to take out the Hebrew blends and put in Greek blends, and then it was translated over and over and over again until the name Yeshua now looks like J-E-S-U-S. Jehovah has become my salvation. And so he's pointing to himself all the way from Genesis through the end of the Old Testament. And he's saying, I want you to know that when Pharaoh is breathing down the back of your neck, I want you to know, even when you're living in the land of Egypt for 430 years under slavery, that you've got a father who's looking for salvation. You've got a man who's knowing. He's got a revelation that this is not God's plan for our lives. This is not God's plan for my future. This is not God's plan for my children. And God's saying, I'm inserting myself into the turmoil to let you know you can have the faith to move forward. Amen. You can have the faith to move forward. Yeah. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. But while he thought on these things, Joseph is thinking... How in the world can Mary be pregnant? Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Who's the daddy? Again, that's another message. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save. His people, His people, from their sins. Oh, Lord, we've been looking for you. I've been waiting on thy salvation, oh, Lord. And the angel said, he's here. I said, the angel said, he's here. He's coming. Su nombre es Jesús. He's coming. His name is Jesus. He's going to save his people. Salvation is come. You can read the other account. He shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us god with us lord we've been waiting on your salvation we've been waiting on yeshua he said yeshua is here honey i'm giving you the faith to move forward i've been trying to get you to look forward i've been trying to get you to lift up your head in spite of falling in spite of being in darkness i'm trying to get you to look forward to a day when the savior steps onto the scene in flesh and blood to save his people To sozo, to save. It means to deliver out of danger and into safety. Yeshua, he said, he brought us out of Egypt into a promised land. His methods have not changed. His purpose has not changed. He's still rescuing out of danger to bring into safety. The word is used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and bringing them into his safety or his provision. It's found again in Matthew 8. Verse 25, his disciples came and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Rescue us. Bring us into safety. He saith unto them, why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. There was a great calm. He rescued them from the situation. Brought them into peace. Sozo. There is another word. Actually, it's the same word in a different form. Soto S O T O is the root of the word soteria. That's where we get the word soterology, which is the study of salvation through Christ. Soteria is defined as deliverance, as salvation. It is God's rescue which delivers the believer out of destruction and into his safety. It's used to talk about welfare, as in well-being, not a government program. Prosperity, we all know that cannot be a government program then. Deliverance, preservation. Salvation and safety. The word soto or sotiri or sotiria and the word sozo are two of the most important words in all of God's word. They give the undertone to our main text in Micah do not rejoice against me my enemy because even though I might be down I'm not staying down the God I serve is a God who saves the God I serve is going to get me out I may be down but I'm not out I've got a savior and I know it I shall arise I know I'll be rescued when I sit in darkness I've got a light that the darkness cannot comprehend I'm preaching to you tonight you need to get a hold of the fact that he's a savior he said the Lord will be a light unto me it's the undertone of God's conversation with Moses I've heard the cry of my people in Egypt you need to go it's the backer of Daniel's faith to keep praying. Even if you throw me to the lions, I'm going to keep praying because I know God's able. It's the confidence of the three Hebrew young men that says God can deliver me but even if he doesn't. It's the calling of Joshua. Get my people out of the wilderness and into the promised land. It's the calling of Peter. Preach to my people. Go to Cornelius. He's crying out. Somebody's got to go. Peter, it's got to be the faith. i got to give you the faith to move forward. Don't call anything that I call clean. Don't call it unclean if I've sanctified it. Do not get your mouth off of it. Get those words off of it. Peter, they want to, to, to hear the message. They need to hear the message. Paul, there's Gentiles out there. I've got a people that need delivered. I need somebody to go. They need a Savior, and I need you to show them the way. I'm trying to give you the faith to move forward tonight even when you're beat up you can get up even when you're beat down you don't have to stay down even when you've got uh, doubt and you're clogging your mind you can have the faith to move forward somebody clap your hands two of the most important words and your Bible indicate that God is a rescuer of men and women. God is a rescuer of men and women. When the world gets them twisted up and messed up, God wants to rescue them when they get bogged down with the world's issues, when they get bogged down with society's problems, when they get bogged down with the vices and temptations of the world, God's saying, I want to rescue them, but I need somebody to be my hands, to be my feet, to let them know if you're in darkness, there is a light. eight. verse 11 for the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people saying say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy don't say what they're saying they're saying man we really gotta we gotta come together we gotta we gotta rebel He's saying, don't, you're not, you're not needing a confederacy. Don't get locked up into their plans. But it goes further than that. He said, neither fear ye their fear. You don't have to be afraid of that which they are afraid of. In fact, you don't have to be afraid at all but sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread and he shall be for a sanctuary. He is going to be a holy habitation. He's going to be a place that you can run to and get the faith to move forward. But he's going to be a stone of stumbling and a rock and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel and for a gin, a bird trap and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He's saying, I want you to understand that it's not by might and it is not by power. It is not by education nor force of will. It is by what thus saith the Lord. It involves me getting involved with the kingdom of God. It it, it means I've got to combat the forces that are coming against me, not in the flesh and in blood, but the principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness and high places. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. He said, I am equipping you with what it takes to move forward. I am equipping you in spite of the circumstance. You have he quickened. Ephesians 2. Verse 1. You have he quickened. He has made you to come alive. I am born again. There is a quickening. There is part of me that was dead. My connection to God, my spirit man, was dead. But I am quickened when I am baptized in the name of Jesus. When I am filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I am quickened. I am made alive. And that salvation that they've been looking for for generations enters into my world. And he said, hey, I know that the world's going crazy right now. I know it's chaotic. I know it's a mess. I know there's turmoil. I know there's problems. I know there's issues. But trust me, you're with me. And if you're with me, I'll give you the faith to move forward. I'll give you the faith to bounce back. I'll give you the faith to become. I'll give you the power to become the sons and daughters of God. We were dead in trespasses and sins. If you've not been born again, you are dead in trespasses and in sins. doesn't make you worse than anybody else. It just means you need to be quickened. You need to come alive. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He's saying, I want you to understand that you're part of my church, and my church models my grace for ages to come. Every time the world looks at me, they're going to see the grace of God. Every time hell tries to remind me of who I was and what I used to be, I don't have to take it. I'm a model of the grace of God. Look at what the Lord has done. He's given me faith to move forward, to move forward beyond my mistakes. When I fall, I get up. I'm reconciled. I move forward. we got a world that's looking for salvation. It's got all kinds of problems. All kinds of mess. They need to come in contact with men and women of God who are operating in the soteric. Who are operating in tune with the Spirit of God. I'm talking, Brother Isaac, the kind of stuff that you can be walking through Walmart. Hey, God loves you. And you never met that person in your life. But God, who is rich in mercy, says, hey, I got some interest of the inheritance. I'm looking to spend. I've got some mercy. In fact... The Bible says he's got bowels of mercy. He's got containers of mercy just sitting around. Looking for somebody who needs mercy. And he's looking tonight for men and women of God to say, I'll operate in that. I'll operate in that. I'll operate at that level. I'll operate with the sensitivity of the spirit that says even when I'm walking through the grocery store, God, if there's somebody that needs you and is ready and you open my mind to that, you open my spirit, quicken my spirit, make my spirit alive for the occasion. He's saying, God, doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on in their world. Uh, God, they need you and I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm looking for a place where God can insert himself. church is not a bridge to nowhere. We're the bridge to Christ. God has designed the church to operate in soteriology, to operate in veins, to operate in the power of the salvation plan. Let me tell you about Jesus. I know that you don't understand how it's going to work out. But if I can just get you closer to Jesus, if I can bridge that gap, if I, I don't need a college degree. I just need to, to bridge that gap. I need to get you closer. I need to get you closer. I need to get you in the presence. I need to get you at his feet. Because anything can happen at his feet. Everything you've been dealing with can fall away. God is in need of men and women of God to show the world the soteria, to show the world the salvation power. He's in need of men and women of God to show the world that they too can receive grace and mercy and salvation, that they can be rescued out of sin and into His safety. grace of God that saved you is the grace of God that can restore you. The grace of God that saved you is the grace of God that can keep you. My back's against the wall. Start looking. For salvation. I need a rescue. I need a way out. I need a way to move forward. I need a way to get past this. That's the kind of God you serve. But pastor, I don't know how it's going to work out. That's the kind of God that you serve. You don't understand, Pastor, the, the, the bondage and the chains that this person has That's the kind of God that we serve. We serve the kind of saving God that can step into the land of Gadara and there's a man running naked and cutting himself with pottery and out of his lunatic mind. He's, he, they cannot bind him. They cannot keep chains on him. He is for all matter of purpose. Uh, he is absolutely unsavable. He's absolutely uncontrollable. He's beyond saving. Everybody's tried. He's hopeless. A lost cause. Let's just keep letting him live among the dead because the living cannot deal with him. But God said, I'm the kind of God that can step into that situation. And make a disciple out of him. You find it all through scripture. You find Gideon threshing his wheat in a wine press. Who am I? But with God, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. God, I'm Elijah. And I just left Mount Carmel. I just left a place of 450 prophets of Baal are dead. I get one threat and run into a cave. Listen, folks, God did not design us to run to caves. God didn't design us to be in isolation. Because it's in isolation that Elijah, after having just experienced the greatest victory of his ministry starts having suicidal thoughts and starts feeling the darkness of depression. And all of a sudden the mountain starts shaking but God's not in the mountain. There's a whirlwind, but God's not in the whirlwind. There's fire and rocks being ripped, but God's not in the fire. And all of a sudden, there's a still, small voice, and God begins to say, he's not He's not yelling at Elijah. He's rebuking him, but, he, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you in the cave? I didn't design you. Uh, You've got to get the faith to move forward. Elijah, get out of the cave and go find Elisha and anoint him to be your predecessor. Go find Jehu. I'm sorry, not Jehu, but uh, go find... Yes, Jehu. Go find Jehu and anoint him to be the next king over Israel. He's going to wipe out Jezebel and Ahab. He's going to take care of your enemy. Don't rejoice against me, my enemy. Even though I might fall, I'm not staying down. Because my God is a God of rescue. My God is a God of safety. He wants to rescue you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. Where is the God of Elijah? Looking for him There he is. He's not just free light just like He's a God of my life Wicked, my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh. Stumble and fell. They were laughing because I'd been down. But with God, He made them stumble and fall. It's time for some of us to stand to our feet tonight and get a holy boldness. says, I'm coming out of this corner swinging. heard me pray before you thought you had heard me dance and shout you thought you had seen me run the aisles before you thought you had heard me preach before you thought i had taught a bunch of bible studies before hell you hadn't seen anything yet because i'm coming out of here with the faith to move forward You thought I taught a Sunday school class before. Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. You thought I had cut a rug before. You hadn't seen worship yet. You had thought you had seen demonstrative worship and praise come from me. You hadn't seen anything yet. Some of us need to get the spirit of David on him uh, that that David had on him when he walked back in from bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. uh, And his his old nasty hag of a wife looked at him and said, Oh, how glorious is the king of Israel today? Dance in your linen ephod, your long johns, without your kingly garments on, oh, David. He looked at her and he said honey i knew how to take those kingly garments off and worship god so god didn't have to do to me what he did to your daddy your daddy didn't ever learn how to worship god with his kingly garments on and so god had to take him take them off of him himself but let me tell you something sweetheart you thought i worship god today you thought you're going to to bring some jabs and little shots at me today to make me back down and stop worshiping honey you hadn't seen nothing yet you you poke your head out that window tomorrow You thought you'd seen me jump. You thought you had seen me dance. You thought you had seen me shout. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You thought you looked at the checkbook to see how much I had given before. Honey, you hadn't seen nothing yet. Everybody gets some meat. Everybody gets some bread. Everybody gets some wine. Because it's a party. It's a Holy Ghost party. And honey, you were mad when I was worshiping God by my lonesome. How you gonna like me when I got the whole crowd worshiping God with me? You tried to take me out, but you just gave me faith to move forward. Because my God is a rescuer. He brought me out of a miry clay and set my feet on a rock. He brought me up. He brought me out. He brought me into. I got the faith to move forward. Somebody needs to break through in worship tonight. Somebody needs to break through in rejoicing tonight. Somebody needs to break through in praise tonight. Somebody needs to shout for the victory tonight. somebody needs to let hell hear your war cry somebody needs to let hell hear the beating of your war drums i'm coming for all that you took and more i want it all i want it all i'm coming out better than i was before I got the faith to move forward. I got the faith to bounce back. Come on, when you fall, it's time to get up. It's time to get reconciled. It's time to move forward. hold of another another handful of faith another handful of faith Crawl your way out if you've got to but god is in the salvation business god's looking to give some people the faith to move forward the faith to grow the faith to overcome It's not time for quiet praise. It's not time for quiet shouts. It's not time for golf claps. It's time to lift your voice. It's time to lift your head. It's time to look up. It's time to magnify. Yeah, come on. ¡Yo no lo vayará!